0: M. S. W. Media. Welcome to The Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Today, President Biden announces the first round of robust sanctions against Russia for the invasion of Ukraine. Merrick Garland says the Department of Justice is investigating Trump's mishandling of classified documents. The three men who murdered Ahmaud Arbery have been found guilty on all federal hate crime charges. The Supreme Court officially denies cert for Donald's bid to block the archives from sending White House documents to the 1-6 committee. The U.S. women's soccer players reach a settlement over equal pay with the U.S. Soccer Federation. And Barb McQuaid lays out a possible path for charging Donald Trump for the Pence pressure campaign. I'm Allison Gill. And
1: I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how's it going today? Hi, A.G. I'm good. My voice feels a little lower than normal, and that's saying something. <laughs> that is saying something. So hopefully all those people who love my sultry voice will get a, a double helping today on The Daily Bean. Oh, nice. Maybe even slow it down a little bit. Yeah, everyone's going to be like, "Uh, is she drunk? Is it on half speed? What's happening? (laughs) All of the above, everyone. All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Way to to live your
0: dreams. (laughs) Now, a couple of cool things today. I'm going to be talking with actress and Canadian from Kim's Convenience and The Expanse. Her name is Jean Yoon, and we're going to talk about the Canadian quote-unquote trucker convoy which is not what that is, but that's what we're going to be talking about. And I wanted to give a shout out to E. Jean Carroll yes. and E. Jean Carroll's lawyers, who did a tremendous job at hearing today in her case against Donald Trump for defamation. Trump's lawyers, per use, were morons. No ruling today, but we'll keep you posted. And we stand with E. Jean Carroll. Yes, we do. All right. With that little bit of news out of the way, let's dive into today's just episode absolute cornucopia of news you heard her people <laughs> cornucopia let's hit the hot notes hot notes and forgive me if you can hear some There, like there's it's pouring rain right now in in beautiful sunny san diego so i'm a little bit discombobulated i don't understand rain
1: <laughs> it happens in california what is that wet stuff
0: <laughs> what is happening at least i don't have to drive anywhere First up, of course, President Biden today announced sanctions aimed at punishing Russia for what he called, quote, the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, joining European leaders in imposing economic consequences for blatant what he called violations of national sovereignty and international law. Spoke from the East Room of the White House. He condemned President Putin of Russia for his aggression against Ukraine, saying that the Russian action is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. White House aides described the sanctions Mr. Biden announced as severe and far-reaching, but the moves were limited and fell short of the more sweeping economic warfare that some supporters of Ukraine, including some Republican members of Congress, have pushed the administration to engage in. There's a reason for that. They didn't want to lay all their cards on the table and then have nothing left if Russia escalates. Biden said the United States is imposing full-blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions and comprehensive sanctions on Russian debt. Those institutions are VEB and the military bank. They didn't list them here in this New York Times article because whatever. Also, he said the United States would impose sanctions on Russian elites and their families, an effort to ensure that those closest to Putin do not escape the financial pain that is expected to hit hard for the average Russian citizen. And uh, again, New York Times left out the names of those people. They are FSB director Alexander Bortnikov, the VTB chair, which is different from VEB. VTB is huge. Chair is Dennis Bortnikov, first deputy presidential chief of staff, Sergei Kiryenko, and Promsavaks Bank CEO Pyotr Fradkov. So those are the elites that who and their families who are being shut out of any Western financial dealings. And of course, former President Donald Trump on Tuesday called Vladimir Putin a genius after the Russian president made moves to invade Ukraine. Trump made the remarks during an interview with conservative podcaster Buck Sexton. Who who, who the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> He's getting the big gigs these days. Quote, I went in yesterday and there was a television screen and I said, this is genius. <laughs> the television screen is genius. So what was happening on the screen? Putin declares a big portion of Ukraine. Of Ukraine uh, Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's, that's what he said. They're, they're going to oh, invade God. with weapons and blood as a peacekeeping mission.
1: I, I know people can't see my face. He's so dumb.
0: Uh, and he continues, that's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. Yeah, a peace force. That's what you want. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. <laughs> there, there, was, there, were, there were more army tanks than I've ever seen. That's the strongest peace force he's ever seen was the army tanks. They're going to keep peace, all right. No, but, <laughs> but, but think of it. Here's a guy who's very savvy. So, yeah, the, this, we need a peace force. It's the peace, most peaceful force ever with their giant tanks and guns and weapons. Wow. Uh, Now the GOP is going to have to figure out whether to criticize Biden for imposing such tough sanctions or say he didn't go far enough or praise Putin for invading Ukraine like Trump and Fox News are doing. Interesting uh,
1: dynamic going on in the Republicans in disarray is all I can say. Indeed. And this is what we thought it was going to be. And I'm so glad a jury has found the three white men who killed Ahmaud Arbery in 2020. They found them guilty of all charges in their federal hate crimes trial backing prosecutors case that the men chased the 25-year-old through the streets of George's neighborhood because he was Black. Now, Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor William, quote, Roddy Bryan, they were all found guilty of interference of the rights, which is a federal hate crime, and attempted kidnapping. The verdict comes nearly two years to the day that Aubrey was killed in a neighborhood outside Brunswick in February 23rd, 2020, and it's months after the three were convicted in a state court in November of that murder. Now, Cooper Jones thanked the Justice Department for bringing the federal charges that had to have been done by the DOJ, but criticized it for initially reaching a plea deal with the McMichaels in this case. And we heard about that. The family was very upset. The McMichaels had agreed to plead guilty before trial, but the judge overseeing the case actually rejected that deal after Arbery's family, as I said, raised concerns that the resulting sentence would lead to favorable imprisonment conditions. Now, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, responding in Washington Tuesday to a reporter's question about Cooper Jones, statement appeared to choke up as he answered. Whatever you think about this man, he still has a soul, unlike the last guy. Yeah. And he didn't address Department of Justice and the line
0: prosecutor's plea agreement. He he just addressed the unimaginable pain and sorrow and injustice from not having Ahmad with them. Yeah any longer thanks dana for that story Uh, i'm so glad that this was the outcome they face life in prison now now of note by the way during that press conference garland took questions and there were questions about other things going on with the department of justice one of the reporters asked if the doj is investigating the 15 boxes of documents some classified top secret that donald stole from the white house And Garland confirmed Department of Justice had been notified and said they will do what they always do, which is following the facts and the law. In other words, they're investigating. So that's good news. Absolutely. And speaking of Trump being prosecuted, former U.S. attorney Barb McQuaid has written a model for charging Donald with crimes associated with the pressure campaign against Pence and trying to obstruct an official proceeding. She wrote this for Just Security. It's quite long. I encourage you to read it. But let me just give you the conclusions. And this is what I do whenever I read a court filing. I scroll all the way to the bottom for conclusion. (laughs) She says, A, the legal prong. Based on the facts already known, it appears that Trump, Eastman and others could be charged with conspiracy to defraud the United States and obstructing an official proceeding. While potential defenses would need to be assessed, such as First Amendment protection for political speech, There is evidence sufficient to make it probable that convictions could be obtained and sustained on appeal. A prosecutor would also need to assess the litigation risk of trying a former president. Would it be probable that a jury could be selected who would be unclouded by political distractions of Trump's Stop the Steal disinformation campaign? In light of experience in other high-profile cases, it seems likely that a rigorous voir dire could be conducted to identify jurors who could assess the facts fairly and independent from political considerations. The discretionary prong, and this is the the part that everyone sort of gets angry about, is because the DOJ has discretion to not prosecute shit if they don't want to. In this case, she says, even though the legal prong is met, the discretionary prong is much more difficult. Considerations under this prong include, one, whether the prosecution would serve a a substantial federal interest. Would this serve an interest? Two, whether the person is subject to effective prosecution in another jurisdiction. And three, whether there exists an adequate non-criminal alternative to prosecution, like impeachment, say. And then she says substantial federal interest. Part one there. The first factor to consider when deciding whether or not to prosecute is whether the prosecution would advance a substantial federal interest. Here, the answer is yes. (laughs) The evidence shows that Trump and others attempted to overturn the results of a free and fair election through corrupt means. Their conduct has undermined public confidence in elections. This effort is antithetical to democracy, a democracy that chooses its leader through the popular election of electors who, in turn, select the president. Substantial federal interests include deterrence and public safety, among others. Here, prosecution is merited to deter Trump or other candidates for public office from attempting to overturn the results of an election ever again. If Trump and his associates are able to avoid criminal accountability, future candidates, or even Trump himself, will be emboldened to attempt similar crimes. In addition, the safety of our democracy remains vulnerable to future attacks unless the criminal justice system pronounces this plot for what it was, a crime against the United States of America. Number two, effective prosecution in another jurisdiction. This is a second consideration under the discretionary prong, whether the person is subject to effective prosecution in another jurisdiction. Here, the answer is no. Public reporting indicates Trump is under investigation in the state of Georgia for his efforts to find 11,780 votes. But even if Trump were prosecuted in Georgia, the charges necessarily would be limited to Trump's conduct defrauding the voters of Georgia and would not cover his corrupt conduct toward other battleground states whose electors he sought to nullify. A Georgia prosecution would also fail to address the full extent of Trump's harm toward the millions of American people whom Trump sought to deprive of their duly elected president. Even those who voted for Trump are harmed when they are deprived of a president who was elected by legitimate means. That's an excellent argument. It really is adequate non-criminal alternative. Remember when I said impeachment? The third factor to consider under this is if there's an adequate non-criminal alternative. Here, again, the answer is no. Although Trump has been sued in civil cases for his conduct on January 6th and could face money damages, these suits do not capture the full extent of his criminal conduct. Civil suits also cannot result in the vindication of public harms or the penalty of imprisonment, which would be necessary to hold Trump accountable for the enormous damage he's done to our country and to public confidence in elections. In addition to being sued, Trump was also impeached for his role in the insurrection. He was acquitted in part because his term had expired by the time the matter went to trial before the Senate. That fact was cited by many of the senators who voted to acquit. There appear to be no alternatives to federal criminal prosecution that would be adequate to address the grave harm Trump has caused to American democracy and public trust. A final factor, she says, concluding thoughts would need to be considered is that, absent most cases, whether the country would be best served by a criminal prosecution, On the one hand, as discussed above, the substantial federal interest is served by prosecuting a leader who attempted to overturn an election. On the other hand, the criminal charges against Trump could have a dangerously divisive effect on the country. Trump's unrelenting rhetoric about stolen elections no doubt contributed to the violent response that occurred on January 6th. Department of Justice would need to consider the backlash that would likely follow the filing of criminal charges against him. Violent protests and civil unrest should be expected. We might even anticipate loss of life. The other potential negative consequence that we would need to be considered is acquittal. If Trump were charged and acquitted at trial, then he and his violent extremist followers would be emboldened. A sober and clear eyed assessment of prosecution must consider that charging Trump criminally could have profoundly negative consequences for the country. The only thing worse would be not charging him at all. Interestingly, Barb lists 18 U.S. Code 371, Conspiracy to Defraud the United States, and Title 18 U.S. Code 1512C2, Obstructing an Official Proceeding. Those should sound familiar to anyone that's been listening to this podcast recently.
1: Yes, they should. Hey, G, thank you for leaving me this story. For those of you who have followed me for years, you know I'm a huge fan. I thought you might like Of this the one U.S. I've women's read. National Team. So, that's soccer, for those of you that might be confused. Uh, for six years, this is a six-year ongoing thing. The members of the, U, the World Cup winning, okay? So just keep that in mind. The members of the World Cup winning United States women's soccer team and their bosses argued about equitable treatment of female players. This is for six years. They argued about whether they deserved the same charter flights as their male counterparts and about the definition of what constituted equal pay. A lot of stuff came, bullshit came into that argument. But the long fight that set key members of the women's team against their bosses at U.S. Soccer ended on Tuesday, just as abruptly as it began, with a settlement that included a multi-million dollar payment to the players and a promise by their federation to equalize pay between the men's and women's national teams. This is fucking huge, Mm. especially because they lost a case, like I think three years, but not that long ago. This is very unexpected. Now, under the terms of agreement, the women, a group of several dozen current and former players, and that includes some of the world's most popular and decorated athletes in the world, will share $24 million in payments from U.S. soccer, Now, the bulk of that AG, it's going to be back pay. Now, it's a tacit admission that, uh, you know, compensation for the men's and women's teams had been unequal for years. Mm. Now, perhaps more notable in this is the U.S. Soccer's pledge to equalize pay between the men's and women's national teams in all competitions, including the World Cup, Mm. in the team's next collective bargaining arguments. Now, that gap was once seen as an unbridgeable divide preventing any sort of equal pay settlement. If it's closed by the Federation in negotiations with both teams, the change could funnel millions of dollars to a new generation of women's national team players. And I just want to put this in perspective for you all, because I don't think it's in this article. If the women won the World Cup, they would get $250,000 apiece. This is up till recently. If the women won the World Cup, if the men won the World Cup, they would get $1.1 million a piece. Yeah. It's a discrepancy of almost seven, over $750,000 a player. And that's why it was considered an unbridgeable gap. Yes. Because it was so massive. And let me remind you, the men in the history of this country, the men's national team, the highest they have ever placed in a World Cup is third. Our women have won the World Cup four different times. Okay, so that also puts it in perspective, and you'll hear bullshit about, well, the men bring in more money. They don't. They haven't for years. Mm-mm. So this makes me all very happy. Now, AG, this settlement represents an unexpected victory for the players. As I was saying, nearly two years ago, they lost in court. They were basically able to extract not only an eight-figure settlement, but they also a commitment from the Federation to enact the very reforms the judge had rejected, which is really interesting. Now, when finalized, the settlement will resolve all remaining claims in the gender discrimination lawsuit the players filed back in 2019. Now, this is the thing. It comes with a very crucial condition. It is contingent on the ratification of a new contract between the U.S. Soccer and the Players Union for the women's team. Now, that process is probably going to take weeks, if not months, to happen, but it will happen. It's contingent on that. The equal pay fight began almost six years ago now, when five-star players compiled a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they accused U.S. soccer of wage discrimination, which there was. And those players included Morgan, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd, Becky Sauerbron, and Hope Solo. Now, they said they were being short-changed on bonuses, appearance fees, and even meal money while they were in training camps and contended that they had earned as little as 40% of what players on the men's team were paid. You're way better at pronouncing women's soccer team than names anything than, else. Yes.
0: Than male golf names. <laughs> that, is,
1: that is very true.
0: You know what? <laughs> and you even knew the first names because the, the, the article listed their last names. Yep. You went in with the first names. Bam, bam, bam. That's that's impressive. Damn right. First
1: names weren't even people. This is impressive of my knowledge because <laughs> they're Ladies. Uh, And I played soccer for 25 years. That's actually why I know them. Yeah. Yeah. The other part is just, it's a a side bonus. And this is a quote. The numbers speak for themselves. This is from Hope Solo, who used to be the goalie for the uh, U.S. women's national team. She said the numbers speak for themselves, and U.S. soccer immediately disputed them. Now, men's players, Solo said, and this is a quote, they get paid more to just show up. Then we get paid to win major championships. And it's true. Yeah. The men were getting paid more to qualify for the World Cup, just qualify, than the women were getting paid to win it. Yep. Yeah. This is a big, big day. It's and well, hopefully those uh, negotiations <laughs> will go well with, the, with U.S. soccer. I just want to say something in this, if I may. Last point. Yeah. Some of these players, other than the back pay... You have to realize they're not going to reap the benefits of all of this hard work over the last six years. They did this so that these young players that are coming up can enjoy the benefits of what they are earning. And if yeah. that's not supporting women, it's, if, it's sort of like if I can equate it to the uh, forgiveness of student debt. Yeah. I paid mine off. But you know what? I'm still going to fight if we can do this so that other people don't have to be in debt for the rest of their lives especially when it's highly affecting uh, people of color in in different areas. So this is a thing. That's what it is. We fight for things that we may not reap the benefits for, but it's going to help the people behind us.
0: Yeah, and I think it was uh, Rapino. It might have been Morgan, too. I can't remember, but somebody had said, look, the only real justice here is that
1: future women players will have equal pay. 100%. These women were making more off the field through endorsements and speaking fees than they were on the field. And it should not be that way.
0: No, shouldn't. And, you know, before we get out of here, I have some more good news uh, because it's bad news for Donald. Yes, give it to me. The Supreme Court has officially denied certiorari for Donald's bid to block archives from being sent to the 1-6 committee. Now, that was very specific group of 700 and something documents. So if there's any additional documents they want, of course, Trump will have the option to object but with this ruling and this finality and this officialness it was only clarence thomas who disagreed by the way of course yeah who really it was jenny thomas who made clarence thomas disagree probably <laughs> yeah the man is the head but the woman is the neck yeah so it's, it's whatever uh fuck that dude so he he can still you know if he wants uh, and he probably will because his whole his whole thing is delay, 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 delay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just want to make sure everyone knows that this isn't for all future archives, although it would make it very difficult for him to object to any future archives because of this decision. But he can. All right. With that, we'll be right back with Gene Yoon. We're going to discuss the white supremacy rally disguised as a trucker convoy in Canada right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right- Hi, everyone. It's AG for The Beans, and today's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Good sleep is vital for health. It's just the worst feeling to toss and turn all night and then feel drowsy and sore throughout the day and the morning. You know, I've had insomnia and anxiety in the past, and perimenopause gives me night sweats. And initially, I thought all that was due to stress and, and, you know, other mitigating circumstances. But as it turns out, I was sleeping on a mattress created for someone else. And then I found Helix. No matter what type of sleeper you are, Helix has a mattress to suit you. You can take Helix's online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com dailybeans to discover the perfect mattress for you. You can choose from a wide array of mattresses. They have soft, medium, and firm body temperature regulating mattresses, spinal alignment mattresses, Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. So it's perfect for me and it gives me the best night's sleep of my life. Finally, a mattress that is made to my specifications. Thanks to Helix, I fall asleep easy. I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep all night and I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and was number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And of course, doctors of sleep medicine and leading chiropractors always recommend Helix to improve your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps with no risk. They even have financing options available. So Helix right now is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at HelixSleep.com slash That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, Sleep.com slash for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am so excited to be joined today by award-winning actress from Kim's Convenience and The Expanse, which is such a cool show. And she's a Canadian. It's Jean Yoon. Jean, hello. Hi, Allison. Nice to be here. It's so good to see you and speak to you. I know that we've been talking now for a few years and going back and forth. And I really wanted to speak to you today because you're a citizen of Canada. And I wanted a citizen's perspective on what's going on or what was going on and and what the fallout is from the trucker convoy of fascists that that were blocking several ports of entry between the United States and Canada. So talk a little bit about how that's sort of impacted and impacting Canadians?
2: Um, So for the last two months, really, well, basically what we're dealing with is, uh, is there's, there's an, there's, there's a very small, but active uh, extremist sort of movement. It's, it's a combination of anti-vaxxers and Wexit people who basically Western successionists and white supremacists that have all kind of come together. And, in this most recent period, what's happened is uh, there were some truckers. And I, I really want to discourage people from using the word trucker to describe this movement because it's a very small number of truckers. 90% of Canadian truckers are vaccinated and they need to be vaccinated to go across the border, either to to enter Canada or to enter the United States. So a very small portion of truckers were part of this movement, they started in B.C. and started moving towards Ottawa, basically demanding uh, at first uh, demanding the the um, end of this mandate to cross borders. But uh, as it sort of rumbled across Canada towards Ottawa, there, you know, it became more and more clear how crazy they were and and that the man the vaccine mandate wasn't really the issue um there was a big gofundme campaign that raised about over 10 million in over 2 weeks which is really unusual and it was so unusual that gofundme suspended the account it dispersed a million dollars of it to the truckers but it suspended the account there was talk of uh, by the by the point that it was suspended there was talk of freezing that money and dispersing it to to basically, the city of Ottawa to compensate the city for for what uh, was, you know millions, millions of dollars of damages and and torment. But um there was so much pressure uh, that uh, they just decided rather quickly to refund it. And the pressure was coming from the u s because this movement in Canada is very closely tied to to what you guys have been dealing with. So people like Trump, Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis were suddenly piping up, and we've got Fox News and Tucker Carlson coming in and we're also we've been witnessing just who is radicalized in our conservative party which is basically the equivalent of the of the uh republicans but you know until fairly recently a respectable party Mm -hmm. but um anyway so for the last three weeks in ottawa until just uh this weekend the city of ottawa was occupied trucks i think I don't know the exact number. It was not nearly as many as people thought. I think it was a couple of hundred were blockading downtown. These guys built encampments. They brought in hot tubs and bouncy castles and they blared their horns, like all of them crazy. And it was driving residents insane. They were harassing children. They were bringing their own children to like they, they had at one point there were cars circling around schools and screaming at kids to take off their masks. I was going to say at one point, didn't they use their own children as
0: human shields from? Yeah, police?
2: that was in the in once once uh, once the um, uh, a week ago, uh, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, finally invoked the Emergencies Act. And once police action started in Ottawa, police were incredibly restrained but they were advancing just like a line of policemen. I've never seen a police action, a riot action, so gentle. But the, you know, after being warned many, many, many times not to have their children there, there were protesters who had their children there and there were protesters who had their children in the front lines. There was a, a a mom and dad with a toddler in a stroller. It was yeah, I saw a photo
0: where they had their children lock hands and, and block a roadway. Yeah, a that major was at,
2: at the Ambassador Bridge. So they did. They also blockaded the Ambassador Bridge, which is the largest trade route, land route uh, between Canada and the U.S. And it was it was costing something like four hundred million dollars Canadian a day. So That action, all of these actions should have been addressed by our provincial government and provincial police. So the problem is that our provincial, our our premier, this is the equivalent of a governor in Ontario, is Doug Ford, who's who's buds with Trump. Mm. Like within weeks of him being elected, one of the first people he went to see was he went down south and visited Trump. Are there photos of them together that he's like Trump light? So he just. He was quite happy to leave Ottawa in pain because Trudeau is a liberal and, and, and uh, Ford is, you know, was quite happy to see a political rival squirming. But yeah, the ambassador bridge, he did nothing. And so it actually got to the point where Biden stepped in and the auto industry stepped in after something of, of several days of this going because the auto industry, both in Windsor and Detroit on both sides of the border, were having to send people home. Mm-hmm. So this was actually hurting
0: working people. Yeah.
2: And that sort of goes
0: deeper into the veiled purpose here, you know, because this is this is just white supremacists cloaking their calls for fascism in an anti-vax rally when most Canadian truckers are are vaccinated and and it we see it in I just recently had a discussion with Van Batum in Australia who is kind of seeing the same sort of things emerge where where they're really just white supremacists, Nazis, neo-Nazis cloaking their true intent in this sort of anti-vaccine movement.
2: Yeah. And, and, and the, the longer it went, the more overt their anti-government intent was to, to the point where they were basically saying they wanted to oust the government. And they were, you know, not in, on top of all these big Canadian flags, they were flying Trump flags and uh, Confederate flags in in Ottawa. And people were, and Nazi, Nazi flags and Nazi symbols. And meanwhile, the Conservative Party was um, having meetings with them and, and their emails uh, released. Candace Bergen, who's now the interim leader of the Conservative Party, basically going, well, maybe we could just let it go on and let Trudeau. You know, Trudeau will. You know, get the blame for it. So, it's been a really tumultuous time, and 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 just now, it's it's Tuesday right now as we're talking, and um, Ottawa, the downtown Ottawa, just finally is opening up, and and uh, the major shopping center downtown is shut down because there was a gunman in there, and this is not something that we don't have a lot of gun shootings. When we have them, it's such a big deal that, you know, it it just it we they're they're very they're we just don't have that many guns in in Canada. And and uh, yeah, Uh, I don't know what the outcome is right now. It looks like a lone gunman, but people are freaked out.
0: Now, it seems like now that things are opening back up, a lot of a lot of steps were taken. They called the emergency. They froze this money. Yeah, I believe they seized some trucks and are going to sell those trucks. Yeah. And they also arrested some of the leaders of this particular convoy slash protest slash domestic terrorist movement. Can you talk a little bit about some of these arrests? Because I'm really it was it was slow coming. But, you know, like you said, your premier wasn't doing anything. It was up to Justin Trudeau. But it seems like
2: it's dispersed now. It, it feels like it's 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 starting to be dispersed. So the the three the three things that the Emergencies Act allowed the the federal government to do, and it was just officially uh, voted on and passed last night in, in Parliament. And now it's going through the Senate, but uh, it basically gave the, the the federal government the it gave them the ability to freeze accounts through Fintrack and uh, that were funneling money into the protester the protest movement and also people. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's also the big arrests are Tamara Leach, who has just this morning been her bail hearing was completed and she is going to be detained until trial. Good. She is a yeah, she's got long connections uh, to Wexit movements and other extremist movements. And Pat King. Yeah. Who uh, (laughs) was... He was arrested while he was on Facebook Live. <laughs> he, he, he's, there's like hundreds and hundreds of hours of him on Facebook, uh, F- Facebook Live rants. He's, he's a crackpot, you know. He's going on about how the Anglo-Saxon bloodline is the strongest. He's an overt uh, white supremacist. Uh, he's, he's, he's cracked. Um, so his bail hearing is happening now. Um, a couple of other leaders were arrested, Chris Barber and, oh gosh, what's his name? The guy who used to be the uh, in the prime minister's security detail. I've forgotten his name right oh, now. Oh
0: yeah, I forget his name as well. But yeah, they were all- He, they, they he turned himself out. in mm-hmm. and then
2: has been released on his own recognizance. But the thing is, it's not over because there are there are three or four satellite sort of encampments outside of Ottawa you know, as close as 100 kilometers outside of Ottawa, which, oh, you guys do miles, right? That's okay. We can figure it out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, we have the imperial system and we send our Trump crackpots up to you. And and I just want to apologize on behalf (laughs) of the United States because this movement, this white supremacist, nationalist, anti-globalist movement is spreading. Yeah. And it's... It's very unfortunate. Now, you you know, like you said, you've got a lone gunman in a shopping mall. And that while that is just old hat for us down here in the United States. Yeah, that is not something that, that uh, Canadians deal with on, on a regular basis, not on even a though regular I mean, basis. there are a lot of guns up there, but. You know, it's a it's a very different sort of, you know, you don't have that rugged individualistic thing. And, uh, you know, that's comes from uh, the United States. So
2: there were a bunch of arrests, too, out uh, around Coots that uh, a bunch of people Mm -hmm. found with arms. I think 11 people there. And I know that uh, a few people in the armed services, Canadian arms, uh, the CAF, were uh, arrested early on, or at least are there under investigation for mutiny and for counseling to mutiny. Wow because they were participating in the uh, convoy. And then on top of that, there's about t- at least 200 um, people who were arrested uh, on site for mischief and, and other, other charges. And I think some of them have come back and have been charged again. But there are more charges coming for actual, because they have license plates, they have photos, and they'll, they'll deal with it as they, as they go. But the other interesting thing is that when the GoFundMe site was shut down, this new a new uh, site was set up called Give, Send, Go. And a lot of people, this is after it was really horrific in Ottawa, like after the point where someone had tried to, one of the, 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 the yahoos tried to burn down a residence near the protest site. They, then a lot of the money that was released from GoFundMe got re-contributed to Give, Send, Go, but someone hacked it. And then release the data and people mm-hmm. are going through the list now and going, oh, my God, that's my florist. Mm-hmm. I, like, yes. I know someone on that list.
0: Yeah. And I'm freaked out. It is very um, this is a This is a, a, a huge movement. And uh, I'm, I'm very glad that your government is arresting people because accountability is a deterrence for things in the future. And I hope you guys shut this down and sort of put out the message that uh, it's not tolerated in Canada.
2: I really hope so. I mean, the thing is, most of these guys are like they're a lot of these people have been the true believers. They're misinformed. They're misguided. Their stupidity has been weaponized, you know, mm. but there are also people in power, political power, mostly in the conservative party that I, I'm just got, you know, people are gobsmacked. Candace Bergen is really it's. Uh, she's the intern now the interim uh, leader of the, of the conservative party. And one minute she is, you know, having pizza with the protesters. And then the next minute when, when they're actually leaving, she's turning around and, and, and blaming Trudeau for everything. It's just, it's, it's very, it's very disturbing.
0: Yeah. It's just, dis- it's, it's disgusting what people will do, what, what depths they will sink to, to gain power. Yeah. And, um, uh... And I recommend everybody read the book Corruptible by Brian Kloss. I'm covering it right now on the MSW Book Club. It it talks about who gets power and why. I think it's got a lot of great lessons in there for this exact kind of scenario. So I really thank you for coming on, giving us a citizen's perspective from somebody in Canada. And it's been really nice to see you again. Everybody got to follow Gene Yoon on the socials. And if you haven't watched The Expanse or you haven't seen Kim's Convenience, you must. I I insist.
2: Thanks. Thank
0: you so much. Bye. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, hello. It's AG. And today's episode is also brought to you by Allform, my all time favorite furniture company. Allform creates premium furniture customized to meet your specification, ships it to your doorstep fast and free of charge, and at a fraction of the regular store's price. It's amazing. You can design your own luxury furniture using the highest quality materials with Allform. Uh, and it doesn't take 12 weeks right? It only takes five to seven days to get to you by the, in mail in the mail, by the, the post office. And you can put it together without tools. So I got a three seater leather sofa. I could never have leather with cats, but because it's spill stain and scratch resistant and comes with a forever warranty, I said, why not? I got whiskey colored leather, walnut leg finish for my mid mod vibe and a chaise lounge at the end. It's comfortable, stylish. It looks great. And it was made to my specifications. Uh, you can choose from armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. And you could start small and add more seats later if you move into a bigger house or so your family grows. And like I said, you get a hundred days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. No weird restocking fees or anything. Um, so, um, and remember, they have that forever warranty. It's literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders. That's huge. 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash daily all right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well,
2: we'll on. good news. Is on the way.
0: Ah, uh, hump day, good news. Mike, 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 hump day. Uh, we have a lot of good news to get to today. <laughs> Thank you so much, for... I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. It came from an old commercial. Oh, man. But uh, I appreciate everyone sending in their good news, confessions, corrections, woobie stories, loveys, stuffed animals, whatever you're crafting or making and selling. When you send that in to us, we'll we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out. If you have anything you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com. and click on contact. And I'll kick us off, Dana, Mike, 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 <laughs> with uh, a submission from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hey, Beans Queens, not that you need any more games, but might I suggest ridiculous pet pet names? Not their actual names. I'm talking about the names of affection instead of their first names. The more ridiculous, the better. Ideally, too embarrassing to be used public. I'll go first. Boo. Boo Boo-boo. Usually, hey, boo-boo, with a Yogi Bear inflection. I did it without even reading that. Well done. My little floof, my little pumpernickel, and my little snuffleupagus. As pet tax, I'm attaching my my last holiday card. Oh, (gasps) With a photo of my little snuffleupagus at the Capitol. I wrote in last year with good news confession about the pandemic move to D.C. As a good news update, we're loving the district. So D.C. has to feature prominently on last year's card.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. This
0: dog. (laughs) With the arms. (laughs) So cute. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, my pets all have like boobs is uh, Booba, Fat Panther, Captain Fat Pants, uh, Lieutenant Bitch Tits. I have so many names. Wow. Very uh, nice. And then Bruce, Bruce Willis, B-Dubs, Little One, Captain Turkey. Um, There's all kinds. So yeah, send in your other pet names. Why
1: not? We're not doing enough. I'll take the next two. They're pretty short if that's okay. Yeah. All right. This is from Anonymous, front end she and her. Hi, ladies. Love your work. As you probably discovered, Amigurumi, Amigurumi, what's a? F- it's such a fun word, Amigurumi. Our crocheted dolls. I'd love to share my quarantine creations: classic Bernie and Dr. Fauci. Their, cre- their creations worth great therapy. These are so cute. Thank you for all you do. <laughs> it's the Bernie. It's, oh my god, it's just adorable with his hair. Look at this. <laughs> oh, the funny the thing crouchy. is, is this is almost the same doll. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. With different little things. Oh, so cute. Thank you for that. And this is from Jenny. No pronouns given on this one, but dear AG and DG, I've only been listening to your podcast for a little while, but I heard you say numerous times that you want to hear about small businesses that we're involved in and that we want to recognize. I'm a high school teacher and I'm going to retire next year to open a bakery in Baltimore where our adult autistic daughter and other autistic adults can work with dignity and purpose. Bought a building starting construction. Yes, I'm scared, but hopeful. Wish us luck. Jenny, you got this. I love this, this idea. And because you're starting it with such goodwill and for such great purpose, I feel like it's going to be hugely successful.
0: Yes. And, and Jenny, when you have the name and it's all set up, let us know. We'll give it a shout out. Oh
1: yeah. And if you ship across the country, let us know Mm -hmm. that.
0: Yeah. If you got any gluten-free bagels, I could use those.
1: Wow. We got real specific. Nobody can make a good gluten-free bagel. There's great gluten-free
0: cupcakes and muffins and cookies, but the gluten-free bagels are Next up from Alan, pronouns he and him, I have a bittersweet tale of love from Valentine's weekend to share with you. I had to say goodbye to my best friend and companion of 15 years, Bailey Rowe, BDE, best dog ever, Aww. on Saturday. Overnight on Friday, he started suffering from a series of grand mal seizures. They were painful and longer than typical seizures, some of them lasting several minutes in length. He would partially recover quickly, but would be temporarily blind and disoriented after each seizure. When he was in a recovered state, we would go for a walk, but most of the day he would pace around unsuccessfully trying to get comfortable his behavior when he was in pain. Around 1 p.m., when the home vet was finally on their way and close to the house, he walked over to me and sat in front of me. I could be able to do this. I got your back, honey. If there's anything, you tag out when but you I need Scratched to. him on the neck and behind the ears, and he slowly fell asleep sitting up. After several minutes of that, he crawled into my lap and fell asleep, into a deep sleep, and then he lightly snored. Here's the thing. Although he was 24 pounds, Bailey was not a lap dog. And while we would sleep next to each other, he never liked to be held, and he never wanted to sit in my lap. The agony of that awful day melted away into a beautiful moment of peace and tranquility as he slept and I wept. This is how the vet found us, aside from the pinch of the injection of the initial sedative.
1: Bailey didn't stir while he transitioned into his next life. Can you go? I can. I can try. His final act was to show me how much he loved me and to help me transition to a life where he's not physically present. I'm awed and humbled by his boundless capacity to love unconditionally. His sleeping in my lap in the yard where we played for all those years was a perfect moment. I suppose it's fitting that today is Valentine's Day, as I cannot imagine truer love than that. I miss him terribly, but I'm thankful for all he has given and taught me. I've attached two pictures, one of the two of us from earlier on Saturday, and one of my favorite pictures of him. Thank you for all you do. Oh, no. no. man. Alan, thank you for such a beautifully written story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at baby. And thank you for being with him oh
0: my god in those final moments you know yeah oh
1: my goodness okay all right would you you like me to go how do you want to start this one (laughs) you want me to start you want to finish it looks like we got a good one I need a note to the producer put these at the end oh my goodness and then I don't know Um,
0: unless they get sadder from here okay no I think we're good I see a kid flipping something off (laughs) All right, that's that's good. That's a good sign. Uh, but this is beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Alan. And and uh, my heart is with you and Bailey as well. Next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hello, Allison, Dana, Amy, and all the rest. Just a quick good news, parenting, good parenting, bad parenting, kids say, email. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. I have two kids, ages five and six, who I'm raising to be strong young women, not afraid to use their voice. They also listen to me, which could be a good or bad thing, as demonstrated in the pictures below kids really are always listening. So I shouldn't have been surprised when one day while watching TV, a commercial for that asshole, my pillow guy came on and without any prompting, both kids stuck up their middle fingers at the television and said, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mind you, they're five and six, A.G. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh and be proud. I saved these pics because, you know, it's funny as hell when little kids say shit like that. Yep. And then just this weekend while traveling, we stopped at a gas station for a potty break and my five-year-old yells, Mama, look at this. Ew, fuck him. Oh, goodness. My husband was mortified. But again, I have to admit I was proud on the inside. We quickly shuffled out of there because we were in deep red country. But yeah. In the words of my five-year-old, fuck that guy. (laughs) Thank you, ladies, for all you do at delivering the news with swears. A special thank you to Dana for being an unknowing inspiration to my six-year-old. Dude, tell. Her whole life, she has always played house with her dolls and talked about her wife. She even has a BIPOC rainbow flag in her bedroom. I always show her pictures and teach her about strong LGBTQ plus folks. And I used you as a reference when she asked if I ever watched people telling jokes. My comedians I watch. I said yes. And she watched some of your performances on YouTube. Oh, God. Not sure if she understood any of it, but it made her happy. Oh. Seriously, thank you, Dana and Allison. You're like, oh, God, which which ones. I did mean, she they're watch? so old, but I know which ones are up there. Seriously, thank you, Dana and Allison, for everything you do. There's even Little Beans fans here. Oh, Look at this. and I'm oh. a fan
1: of that little bean now.
0: Flipping off the pillow guy. <laughs>
1: Look at it in the store. The store last one is the best.
0: <laughs> That's what she was saying in the store. I was like, why is she saying that in the store? That she, guy. She's like, mama, look at this. Ew, fuck him. It's it's the, the, my pillow, my pillow. Guys, oh my God, for saying I love it.
1: it. Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you for that. And uh, I'm glad I have a new fan, no matter what age. Mm-hmm. This is from Steph, pronouns she and her misheard lyrics. Hello from Texas. Thank you for your daily dose of sanity as the state is seemingly nosediving into authoritarian hell. Just a simple confession. It was just pointed out to me that the song Keep It Common Love by Casey and the Sunshine Band isn't actually saying keep it common law.
0: (laughs) Don't get married. Keep it common law.
1: (laughs) This was something I always thought was terribly progressive for their time. In my defense, the song predates me and I only ever hear it as on the oldie station, I didn't know the song name. So if you don't know the song, it's an extremely happy, upbeat song. And I thought, well, that is a wonderful sentiment to keep happy by keeping it common law. Since then, we have asked several others what they hear. Never has anyone heard Keep It Coming Love when played. (laughs) For Pet Tax, I'm submitting Callie, otherwise known as Callaway. One is her obligatory holiday card photo, since I do photos and I have to have something to put on my digital holiday cards. The other is what she looks like every morning. She gets tucked in at night, but has challenges finding her way out of the bedding. <laughs> I probably should have helped her out of her predicament, but it was so funny to have her follow me around blind. I had to take a picture. It, this. I mean, I would have done the same thing. This is hilarious. Uh, first of all, very beautiful Christmas photo. It's a gorgeous but dog. Yes.
0: The dog with the dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, looks like a Weimariner mix
0: yeah like a just a goofball right like just oh my a, god just a
1: ham and a weimaraners dog. love getting their picture taken by the way i mean you can mm-hmm. pose a Weimariner like sitting up on a sofa holding a beer with like a paw on the side just like this is this is this is my man couch <laughs> just
0: sitting like a person Look totally up so adorable. Thank you for that. And everyone, thank you for sending in your, your stories. Um, I absolutely love them. I want to hear more. And of course, when you get that bakery open, tell us where it is because yes. I'm, I'm coming or if you could ship ship that stuff out to California. Dana and I are in trouble. Do you have any final thoughts today? Dana? My
1: final thoughts are just congratulations to the U.S. Women's National Team and all of the future soccer players, female soccer players, as I said, just the soccer players. But since people need to identify Congratulations to all the future female soccer players in this world. You're going to get the pay you deserve, and it's about fucking time.
0: Nice. Yep. And everybody will be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote blue over Q. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane